Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. And we're back with another episode. James, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Um, you know, it's starting to heat up out here in Arizona. I was out I at the bet. fields earlier today. I was trying to get some pitching in. You know, it's interesting. It, it, with hitting, it, you know, I went to the cages the other day. Mm-hmm. For me to hit properly, um, you know, I, I practice against one speed, and then I start to go up in, in speed, and I get my timing right, and then I move up, and then I get my timing right, and then I move up. And to get that right, at some point, I was like, you know what? I, I got I to gotta get my my back arm functioning properly. And I also got to get feel for my front arm again. So I switched over to the left side and I took a couple of swings from the left side and I was like, Oh, okay. Well to do things fundamentally enough to, to get my bat to where it needs to be, to pr- be productive from the left side, I'm doing these things. So then I go back over to the right side. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, today I was basically doing something similar where, you know, I was taking ground balls at shortstop. I was charging them. I was throwing from different angles. I was doing it at, you know, very high, high level of effort and uh, to get myself, you know, ready. And then I went to the mound and, you know, you go from throwing from different angles while charging and coming forward on a lot of different balls on the mound, you're coming forward and you're trying to throw balls that are going to come at the batter from different angles, come at the zone, really from different angles. So I had all my pitches working today. It was phenomenal. I had my breaking ball working today. It's a good day out here, man. It's a good day to be a baseball fan. It seems like it, man. It seems like it. That's good to hear that you're you're out of the cages and you're practicing and you're doing all that stuff and everything. I know that you've visited a couple games and stuff like that and everything. But, you know, before I digress and we jump into a whole, like, just talking about practicing and stuff like that, because I, I know I could ask you a million questions. Why don't you just let everyone know? If anything cool is happening this week, anything else cool is happening this week, and let's just dive straight in. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I want to say is that I thought that the ball that I got was going to be from Pujols last game, and now Pujols is a Dodger. So it's not from Pujols last game. It's from his last game as an angel, Mm. which is wild. So now it really has to go right up there with, like, the trout ball and, like, my Otani bobbleheads. Uh, It has to go right there with them. Um, so that, that's a story to say the least. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's you know, talking about games that I've been to recently. Yeah. But talking about, you know, games coming up, I'm trying to get my hands on some Diamondback tickets, man. Um, but the big thing that I wanted to cover today, and, you know, I think we were talking about this in the previous episode, is that, you know, we've been, I've been absolutely unbelievably successful with my player list entering the season the top 200 plus the honorable mentions make it about 230 if we're going to extrapolate like look if we're looking at the top 200 it's about an 89 percent success rate but we wanted to round that off and actually conveniently enough if we look at the the full list which is with honorable mentions 230 there's only 23 misses so um it, it makes it really play out perfectly it makes it play out absolutely excellently uh 90 success rate on the dot but here's the deal like we could talk about all these these players who are doing great around the league players that like we were 100 right on or we could talk about the guys that were complete misses where i thought that they were going to do great things and they didn't 
because, you know, otherwise it's just like, you know, oh, you're talking about the good players in the league, but like, you know, I, I feel like it's almost really important to know which players that like you, you missed on, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like people, people think your, your lists are less legitimate unless for some reason they know which guys you're openly admitting to missing. I don't know. People are interesting with these things, but uh, I figured that we should do a brief show, short show, you will today, uh, talking about them. So without further ado, I'm just going to jump in. Um, first guy, James McCann, that was an absolute heartbreaker. We've talked about him a couple of times here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were looking at, you know, his, his fan graphs page, it looks like every single year, in the last few years, his power has been increasing with a relatively stable profile behind it. And now it's looking like the only reason that that power increased was with the ball change, the change in ball, the juiced ball, the uh, you know, part of 2018, 2019 juiced ball. And now he's right back to who he was in 2017. And that just breaks my heart because the defense has even come back to earth a little bit. The Mets gave him a day at first base the other day, you know, like, I mean, he needs to start getting things together. They, they're paying him $10 million a year for this year and the next three. Um, this is bad. All of the other underlying numbers look like he's the same guy that he was before hitting the ball harder, hitting the ball for more power. So that's definite, definitely a miss. There's no way around that. So far, Pedro Severino is another catcher who is a miss for me. It's interesting. He lit the league on fire the first two months of the year last year before getting hurt all over his body. And the whole last month of the year, I don't even know how he was going out there and catching. It brought his season line basically down to what it was the year before, 2019, which, you know, that's the main juiced ball year. So now this year, I thought that, you know, healthy Pedro Severino with a little bit more lineup protection with now, you know, full season to have some good months, some bad months with, you know, clearly making progression without, you know, using the juiced ball. Um, I thought that he would now see another level in him where he would be at least 10% above league average or something like that, but nope, can't hit. He cannot hit. He's not the greatest catcher either uh, defensively. I mean, he has a lot of defensive um, miscues. Like I remember one of the, the big things that specifically was like a Pedro Severino thing is that he catches the ball two out front and sometimes the bat will clip his glove. And when that happens, like I believe the batter's awarded first base. Um, And also it makes it really easy for you to get injured as a catcher, because what if they break your finger with the bat, you know? So, and and he does have a lot of injury issues, mainly lower body stuff, um, which is not good for a catcher. So, um, he's dropping off the list, you know, it's not just, you know, that the production is not there. It's that the production really had to be there to support what else was going on. And now that it's not, I'm just really souring on the guy. I hope he comes around and I don't, I genuinely don't think that he's a bad option to have as a backup catcher, but, um, as a regular, he, he's really disappointed me. And it's a shame because I even liked his swing last year. Um, so, yeah, that's another miss. That's miss number two, if you will. Uh, the other catcher, there's two catchers, two other catchers that missed. 
uh, Tyler Stevenson. Uh, one of the big things I said here and, and also on uh, the, the, the podcast I made with baseball guy, Sean, was this is a guy who's had one of the highest uh, zone contact rates in all the minor leagues. Um, and it looked like last year he was coming up to the big leagues and he was like, wow, you know, I make contact pretty well in zone, but I want to contribute. And these are big leaguers who are throwing hard. So I'm going to start swinging hard. And even if I don't make the best contact in the zone, even if I strike out a little bit more, I'm going to get the power. But then I, I think the ball change this year was a little too drastic for him. And, and also the league accounting for how he, how he hits. Um, I think that was a little too drastic for him. So now what you're seeing, he's about a league average hitter. Um, it's mainly balls in play rather than power. And um, I think he actually might have to go back down to the minors to work on a couple of things with, with how good Barnhart's been playing, with how good Barnhart's defense is, and with the couple of things that Stevenson now needs to work on. So he went from being a guy who I think could have really had a massive year if he, instead of being called up last year, he was called up this year um, because of the exposure. But I also think that um, it, it, it's not just the exposure, it's twofold. It's the ball change specifically really affects a guy like him um, because he, he's giving up contact to get to power. So when the ball's already not going to give him much power, he's going to be giving up a lot more contact than usual. Um, or um, that's not going to be a workable profile for him. So he's just going to have to, you know, really swing hard at what he can hit in the zone and hope he does well on it. And I think that's kind of what's happened. He's reverted a little bit to the guy he was in the minors, which is a lot more of a league average hitter and not really the greatest defensive catcher. Um, but that's kind of who he is now. And that's definitely not an elite, elite player. So I count it as a miss. Uh, Kurt Suzuki, his power has dropped off enough for it to fall into a trend with the last few years. And it looks completely like a real trend and it matches up with his age and it matches up with his ability and it matches up with what I know about him. So that's a shame. I thought having like lineup protection and being way at the bottom um, and, you know, once again with a contender um, and, you know, seemingly similar ball to last year. Um, that, you know, he, he'd, he'd be at least a league average hitter with some pull power, not a lot of strikeouts, but it looks like there's actually been a decline in power that's kind of been masked for the last couple of years by the, the change in ball. And now it's coming into effect and it's a little bit more demonstrative than I thought it would be. Um, especially when you realize what's going on with the angels, which is, you know, Dexter Fowler, the right fielder, he got hurt. Trout got hurt. Rendon got hurt for a bit. Upton was hurt for a little bit. Um, who else was hurt? For that? They, they've had Fletcher couldn't hit. Iglesias has had trouble hitting because he needs a little bit of lineup protection. Plus the ball change has been kind of rough on him defensively. And I think it's gotten to his head from a confidence perspective offensively. So it's robbed his ability to hit for some power. Um, and then you got Otani in there. Otani's great. But if you have all these other guys who are injured or not really playing like the back of their baseball cards, I don't think it's getting Kurt Suzuki the kind of lineup protection that he would even need to have some sort of doubles power. Um, so now he's not even like 95 WRC plus. Um, he, <clears throat> he's not even 95 WRC plus, excuse me. Um, it's just, you know, 
it's just not a good profile. He's a great backup catcher. And I think if you're looking at, you know, if you're an AL team or you're an AL West team and, you know, you're looking for a backup catcher as well as somebody who like when your catcher's hurt could kind of play every day. Uh, like I think Kurt Suzuki would be an amazing Yankees backup catcher. Although Higashioka is certainly not doing a, you know, terrible job. Um, I do think that Kurt Suzuki is now officially a backup catcher. There's no way to say that, you know, we'll extrapolate this and we'll split time. Like, you know, the nationals did with Jan Gomes. I don't think it's no, 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 no. It's not going to work. Um, so those are the four catchers that missed the list. Um, the outfielders that missed the list. Um, but we'll, no, we'll do that one last. We'll do that one last. Cause that's a, that's a kind of interesting grouping. Uh, shortstops that missed the list um, initially. And I think we talked about this on a previous show. I was like, Whoa, I didn't think the jazz Chisholm was going to be up at the big league. So soon we did. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. Like I would have had him on a list. Right. The whole point is, is that when jazz Chisholm is big league ready, he's easily a top 10 shortstop them calling him up. I thought that meant that he was big league ready. No, they didn't know that he wasn't big league ready. I was right. They shouldn't have been calling him up at that point in time. He did great for the first like 10, 15 games and then completely fell off even after the injury. So turns out that I was right. Turns out that, you know, like he wasn't ready. Turns out that he shouldn't have been called up. So there's been a couple of things that have kind of changed with regards to that. Um, Nick Ahmed still hasn't picked it up, even though like, you know, last year he kind of went through something similar. Um, that being said, if the whole last couple of years were the only reason that he was hitting at all, then yeah, uh, this is real. He's not that great and utter miss, complete miss. A uh, good defensive player though and decent base runner as well. Uh, and that hurts because I think I said on a previous show, he went to high school with one of my friends. So um, yeah, it would have been really cool if he was like doing great right now. Though. Um, <laughs> and then we got uh, Eugenio Suarez. Um, I don't understand how he's a shortstop right now. Um, I wanted, like, I, like, I didn't even understand that that's what they were going to do when he initially made the list, you know, I, I like, here's the deal. This guy had a torn labrum and that's why the power fell off last year. Right. And now without the juice ball and, you know, labrums take two and a half years to, to fully recover typically. So still recovering from the labrum for some reason without the juice bolt and with, you know, recovering from the torn labrum, the Reds thought that it would be a good idea to say, Hey, we need you to lose 17 pounds of muscle so that you can play shortstop for us next year. So he, he lost all of his ability to hit basically over the course of like three seasons. Um, so I'll, yeah, I'll count it as a miss, but like, I mean, like, how, how do you not expect the guy to really drop off with these types of things? Like, if he didn't, like, oh, my goodness, you know, how, miracles, you know, but nah, no, 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 no. Like, I don't even understand why they put him at short. Like, this is as this is almost as bad. This might be as bad of a call or could it be as could it be worse than the call that the Tigers made back when they decided to take Miguel Cabrera? mid late career really in his 30s and move him to third base to accommodate for prince fielder i mean I, this could be on par with that one because you're talking about an up the middle position you're talking about shortstop here 
And, and here's the deal, Chris, we were looking earlier today at the BSR numbers, the, the base running numbers, right? When Suarez was a third baseman, a couple of years ago, he put up a negative six BSR. How do you think that this guy's going to go play shortstop for you in his mid-30s after a labrum injury? You're not Cincinnati, wrong. That's the dude, thing is that you're not Cincinnati wrong. Cincinnati Reds baseball. Cincinnati Reds baseball. Goodness gracious. Cincinnati Reds baseball. <laughs> anyway. Um, completely takes me off 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 course um the next guy is i mean i guess he's a third baseman he can also play right field the offense completely fell off and i don't know when it's going to come back if it's going to come back it's really sad it's brian anderson play quality third base has been a good hitter in the past we uh, talked about this too yeah you put him in right field also he's, he's, he's a phenomenal defender because of his arm but all he needed to do was be a league average hitter and he just can't hit anything this year. So that's an utter miss. And that's a sad miss because he didn't really need to do much to be very valuable. Mm -hmm. You don't usually find somebody who can be a decent third baseman and an elite right fielder. Um, That doesn't really happen. They don't really go together. I mean, they do, but it's usually full-time as in like you take your third baseman and because they're not the best at third, you move them full-time to a corner left fielder, right field. Right but you usually don't have one who can go back to third and play it competently and above average. Like that's, you know, that's really like a corner outfield thing that, 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 that usually works with corner infield at first, you know, cause you can just stand at a spot and catch the ball. You know, if you're in the outfield, you, you, you run or you can play farther back, but if you can play a quality corner outfield, like an athletic good corner outfield and a good third base, that's very valuable to me. Uh, if you can hit, and he can't. So that's a miss. Um, Ty France, it also looks like similar to Tyler Stevenson, another tie. Um, he kind of just, you know, got that great performance, that polish-based performance of the league not knowing you out of the way last year. And now this year, France is, you know, trying to maintain being a good hitter by being a bit more patient. And I guess this will kind of constitute his sophomore slump then. Um, so I guess I'm more intrigued about what France is going to do next year because he's not just a polished player. This is a player who, as he was coming up through the minor leagues, legitimately learned piece by piece different skills and made their swing more athletic and gained different skills. So there are a lot of people who look at him and they say, you know, this isn't a polished player. This is a product of development. And when I hear a product of development, then I think, oh, this guy's eventually going to be able to hit righties and lefties. This guy's, you know, he's not going to be a guy who, you know, has massive strikeout issues. He's not going to be a guy who is in the league for a year, year and a half, and then bottoms out, you know? So um, I think he's making that transition right now, which means not the greatest year, which means a miss. Uh, Jonathan Scope, another guy who I really like, but with his type of player, he needs lineup protection and a good ballpark to be a good player. Um, I had to keep him on the list because of his talent. So I don't really hate that he's a miss here in terms of production, because I'm pretty sure that if you batted him eighth on the New York Yankees, mm-hmm. that he'd, he'd be pretty decent. So, but I'll take that. I'll take the hit. I'll take the miss. Um, 
beyond him, you got David Fletcher. I think everybody finally figured out how to get David Fletcher out. They realized that Fletcher doesn't really hit it over the outfielders' heads. So if you play the infield back and the outfield in, there's not really too much you can that Fletcher can really do. Um, like he's all about singles now. He can only hit for singles. There's no extra base hits happening. Um, and without the extra base hits, he's kind of just like a one-dimensional hitter because he's not the greatest base runner. He's just like a 260 hitter. He can get on base at a decent clip because of it. He doesn't really strike out that much, you know. But that's a miss. You know, Fletcher without doubles is not really that great of a player. I mean, he's a good player, great, you know, great bench player, but not a top 230 player. Definitely not. Um, and, you know, similar reasons, Nick Madrigal. They basically are the same profile, except I think that Madrigal has more hitting ability moving forward, more, more hit ability to hit for power moving forward, uh, more ability to last in the league. But the reason why is drastically different. See, Fletcher, Fletcher's always been a polished profile. He's always been a guy who, because of his swing mechanics, and because of his size, and because of how he uses his body, he's not really putting tons of you know, muscle into the ball. And this is about as best as he can do. Whereas with Madrigal, I think there are other levels in Madrigal. He's just never had to develop his game in those levels because he's always played his game and his game has worked for him. So I think that there's development in front of Madrigal where I think as, you know, with Fletcher, you're probably looking at a super utility player or a nine hole hitter on like a really deep lineup. Um, something like that. Um, nothing wrong with it. Decent player, very valuable, you know, guy to have around, especially if injuries happen. But I think Madrigal in the future could be an above average guy. Um, and I think that's the difference. Um, like as in multiple year above average guy. Um, so that's another second baseman who I missed with. Uh, we got Sean Doolittle, who's a reliever. We're going to go through the relievers now that I messed with. Um, now, I think I mentioned this. I think I mentioned this last week or the week before, something like that, um, that a lot of the pitchers that I missed with are lefties who have breaking balls that break slowly and loop in towards righties. This um, like two weeks ago, we yes. had a whole conversation about this. Exactly. Yeah, and we had a whole conversation about this. Yeah, Doolittle's one of those guys, as is the next reliever, Brad Hand. Um, so it's one of those situations where both of those guys, I think, over the, the course of the season, they have a chance of turning things around, especially as relievers. You know, come out, you know, do what they do for an inning, and then maybe something sticks, you know. Um, but right now, total misses. Um Drew Smiley, total miss. Um, he's another guy who left the same kind of deal. Uh, Patrick Corbin, same deal. Dallas Keuchel, same deal. So those guys, you know, hopefully something changes. You know, they do have a history of being pretty decent pitchers. But especially in the case of Dallas Keuchel, he's kind of at the point of his career where he can't get any swing and miss. I think he's done. Um, I mean, not necessarily like done, done. But like he's, you know, law and order. Dun dun. You know? <laughs> I don't think. I don't think. I don't think he's. Uh, uh, oh, if I had a sound machine here, oh, oh my right, goodness! Right? Goodness gracious, dude! Perfect cue. Perfect cue. Right right? Oh great. my god! You know? 
Uh, but like now, I'm, uh, now I'm gonna buy one now, just, just for future episodes. I'm just it. gonna buy for future episodes now. We're gonna even the live streams. We're just gonna let's, have let's a sound machine just so I can just hit it and it just get like oh, oh my god, I'm gonna send you so many weird sounds like Duh. yo the, the <laughs> Fresh and Fit podcast, the Fresh and Fit podcast. They have some of the greatest, most hilarious noises. They use noises from Dragon Ball Z. It's amazing. Oh really? Yeah, it's just it's out of this. It's fantastic. So yeah, no, definitely. We got to see what they got working for them. Yeah. They'll do something similar. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Dallas Keuchel, he could be a number four starter. He could be like a guy who does really good in like a must-win game. But like, I is he like, is he a two starter? Is he an ace? No. So that's a miss. Same thing with like I said, Drew Smiley. Same thing with Patrick Corbin. So that knocks off a couple real quick. Um, who else we got here? Uh, Kenta Maeda. Oh. That's a bummer. Kenta Maeda looked like he had really found something last year. And now he looks like he belongs back in the bullpen. I mean, it's really bad. It's a rough situation. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's Luis Castillo, who's reverted to being a two-pitch pitcher. He's now walking more people. The strikeouts have fallen off a cliff. He has Eugenio Suarez making errors behind him on anything that he induces that happens to be weak contact. Um, and then we got Dylan Bundy who, you know, he did great last year and he did great in terms of the underlying statistics entering this year. Outside that, he fell off entirely. So that's a miss. Um, and I guess now, now we got to get to the outfielders. So Harrison Bader, uh, I really thought that he'd figured something out against righties and, uh, you know, on the surface, it kind of looks like it because his strikeouts are down. But all of his production is coming against lefties. And as the season goes on, as we've already seen happen to his numbers, I think he's 8% below league average right now. I think that's going to drop. I think it's going to you know, go further down. And I think you're probably going to look at a guy who's maybe 15 to 20% below league average, which even with his phenomenal defense and even with his phenomenal base running and even with how good he hits lefties is not enough to make that list. Uh, it's a decent little player, though. Decent nine-hole hitter. I wouldn't mind that in the nine-hole for my team, assuming I had a player to balance him out in the eight-hole or a player to compliment him in the one hole. Um, so moving forward, um, Dom Smith with the Mets. Oh, man, I really thought that he had turned a corner. Uh, I remember entering last year, I told a couple of people, like, I actually like this guy better this year than I like Pete Alonso. And then he outproduced Pete Alonso. And everybody was telling me at the time, like, what are you talking about, dude? Pete Alonso just, like, hit 50 home runs. Pete Alonso, Pete Alonso, Pete I'm like, yo, I saw Pete Alonso in the Arizona Fall League. I know who Pete Alonso is. I literally was in the first row, and I saw him hit, a, like, a, a double and a homer. I know who he is, right? But he's entering a sophomore slump that year, right? And Dom Smith's been slowly getting better each year. And he continued what he did in 09, got a little bit better last year, and really broke out. And now this year – uh it's looking like he's completely reverting the power, the over the fence power, the out of play power. It's not really looking like it's there. Um, he's not hitting for the kind of home run rate at all that he, he needs to be able to do to be a middle of the order hitter. And he's their left fielder and he's not the greatest fielder because he's a first baseman playing left field and he's not exactly fast on the bases. So he really needs his power to come back to exist on this list. Um, 
if he was a first baseman, I'd also note that he's a phenomenal defender. But given that he's now in left field, you know, I don't know if how quick that's going to come back to him if and when he does get to go back to first base, which is probably when the DH comes to the National League or if he gets traded from the Mets, both of which are possibilities over the next two years. Um, so we'll see for Dom Smith. Um, then you got Loretis Guriel Jr. That one broke my heart, legitimately broke my heart. Younger brother of a big leaguer has recently performed better than his older brother. He had the whole pandemic to work out with his brother and get better, just like uh, the Contreras brothers did, you know? And Loretis Guriel went from being a phenomenal hitter, an aggressive hitter who could hit for contact and average, to being a hitter who can't do anything at all. And I'm sorry, that, that's heartbreaking. Because you can have, like, like, he was a guy who legitimately, he could have put on more patience, as in more walks, and that would have taken him to a place of more power. He could have put on more muscle with his frame. He still can. Um, you know, like, there's so many things he could have taken that profile. And now that it's reverted into this, I don't know what's next. I honestly think that there's a high chance that he might have to go down to AAA for the rest of the season or at least a significant portion of the season, because this is awful. Um, I remember entering the year, I said, I think I told you that there are like four Blue Jays that are going up and four Blue Jays that are going down. They're going in different directions. Four guys that are going in different directions. Or I thought that Guriel was going to be one of the guys getting better. And he got a lot worse. I also thought that Teoscar Hernandez was going to have a really hot start to the season and then get worse. He's had a really hot start to the season. We haven't seen him get worse yet. So they've kind of switched places as far as, you know, Blue J the four Blue Jays going up and the floor four Blue Jays going down. Also, Rowdy Telez, uh, as I believe how you say his name. I, I've been saying Telez. It's Telez. Uh, yeah, Rowdy Telez. He's been a guy who had a really good second half last year. So I thought he figured something out and was going to build on that. And he's not really started off too good. So he's also been one of the guys now on you know going down and his place has kind of been replaced by um another blue jay who who's that blue jay that's replacing him i believe it's Bo bichette but then Bo bichette's also tailing off in his numbers you have alejandro kirk who i wasn't expecting to be at the big league level this year which is also part of the reason why i didn't really incorporate him when i was talking about the blue jays offense and Kirk was at the big leagues this year and then got hurt. So he shouldn't have been at the big leagues. He was, he got to hit, he hit pretty well, but I think he was really pressing to get to that level of offense. I think he really needs to be in the minors. Um, but like, if overall you're looking at, you know, the blue Jays, I, you know, they, they have half of an offense. I was right before the year. I was just wrong about which players. So anyway, uh, getting back to the players that I missed on. Um, here we go. Jock Peterson. Totally missed on Jock Peterson so far. Then again, Jock Peterson is a guy who in the past has like changed his swing as many as like five times in one season. And I believe the Cubs are going to at least try or have been. I don't know if they, they have been. I got to check up on that. Uh, to have been introducing him or trying to introduce him to facing lefties again. And before he couldn't hit lefties, 
And, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, him facing them after years of not, that could be a little bit of a shakeup and destabilizer. And then also his type of hitter at this point in his career succeeds a little bit later on in the season. So again, we could give it a little bit to see what happens here, but it's bad enough that I, I have to, I have to right now consider it a miss. Um, then we got Kevin Kiermeyer, who I thought had figured out something where he was like, okay, hitting the ball more on the ground to run out more ground ball hits. Um, he was okay finding a, a patient approach that would get him just enough walks to complement that and keep his on-base percentage up. And I thought that that patient approach with the, the raised lineup protection and them going lefty-righty was just enough to get him pitches to hit so that he could get some sort of semblance of power. Clearly, I was wrong. He continued the decline even further, cannot hit at all, is just a great defender and a pretty good you know, base runner, but when he gets on base, which is not frequent enough. So wrong about him. I'll take the hit. Um, then we got Gregory Polanco, who's kind of been it's mainly around an injury, and I'm pretty sure he changed his team. You made him a DH. You gave him lineup protection. You changed his ballpark. He'd rebound. But uh, I, I think that he's been going down also this track of not being able to be his optimal self for now so long that I don't even know if it's completely possible for him to get back to those levels now. I think his body might be, might be different now, which is really sad to say. If you look at his body from 2018, early 2019, and then you look at him now, it's lost tons of athleticism and, and coordination mm -hmm. and quick twitch and all the things that you need. And it's just heartbreaking, really, to be honest. Um, and then lastly, um, wait, I think that might be it. Yeah, that's it. That's all that's of them. It. Those are the misses. <laughs> Those are the misses. That's them. Um, so, you know, definitely those guys started sucking. And I definitely think we can probably follow this one up with, you know, since those guys sucked, you know, and we take those 23. Uh, I think it's actually that's 24. So maybe I'm just on whatever. 20, 24, right? So, 24. Yeah. Um, we take those and we subtract them from the list, right? People have to jump on the list. So maybe I talk about the guys who did and took their places. So maybe we'll cover that next time. And don't forget this Thursday, live stream, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're Be getting there. into it. Be, Be there. there. Show up. Let's get it. This is all we do. This is what we talk about. Be there. We'll see you there. We'll see you there.